0: Hi there, I'm Matt Ashburn, host of the Needlestack podcast. Needlestack is brought to you by Authenticate, creators of the go-to online investigation platform, Silo for Research. If you're looking for a way to conduct research anonymously, protect against cyber threats, all while avoid tipping off your investigative targets, then you want to try Silo for Research. The Silo Research platform completely isolates your online web browsing, allowing you a choice of location and digital fingerprint, and also has built-in workflow and automation tools. The best part is that Silo for Research is software-as-a-service, so it can be used from any computer or location without the need for things like virtual machines, standalone networks, or, or dirty networks. To learn more about Silo for Research, visit Authenticate.com. That's Authentic with the number eight, dot com. Don't be afraid to learn something about them. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they sound the media will beat them up and make them sound like they're super intelligent beings that are going to take over the world. But we I think we're far from that, uh, given they don't have real true meaning. Um, I think we should be more worried about uh, bad actors using these tools um, against us. And I guess that will be a challenge. <laughs>
1: the needle stack the podcast for professional online research i'm jeff phillips your host
2: and i'm shannon reagan producer and co-host on needle stack today we're going to continue our discussion on generative ai in osint and the ethical considerations of using that technology
1: perfect timing for that for this conversation and joining us for the discussion is dr trent lewis a senior data scientist at FiveCast. a reminder uh we've had Abby from five cast on the show in the past five cast deploys advanced data collection and AI um, to solve complex intelligence challenges. So for intelligence agencies, law enforcement and even uh, private enterprises. So Trent, welcome to the show.
0: Uh, thank you. Thanks for, for having me. Um, yeah, it's a it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I love talking about artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, so please feel free to cut me off at any point. Um, <laughs> going on too much uh being an ex-ex-academic lecturer i can talk for hours um but hopefully I when can those students do some... don't
1: raise their hands
0: <laughs> i just i just keep going yeah um but uh yeah so um hopefully yeah i can shed some light on uh some of the things going on in in this yeah, it's fairly fairly hot topic at the moment um it's very exciting um, Yeah. just to hear all about it uh and you yeah, see it being used in, um, you know, in a real way.
1: Um, it's pretty, mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe we set the stage for some people, some basics. It seems like, like you said, everyone's talking about AI right now, and there are lots of terms that get thrown around. I believe we even used one with generative AI, mm-hmm. and then you used machine learning, um, there's large language models, there's deep learning. Um, and I think, some of us use these terms interchangeably, which yep. probably is not the right thing to do. Can you mm-hmm. kind of walk us through the distinctions between these, these different terms?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a really good point. Yeah, um, especially in the media, they they get conflated, um, and there are um, subtle and, and big differences between the different things. I guess starting at the top, um, there's a there's AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. Uh, so. Uh, there's probably a bit of a um, yeah, controversy around which way you define it, but personally, I'd see artificial intelligence as sort of the broader umbrella term for uh, describing technology that tries to emulate uh, human-level intelligence, uh, and and how it does that is not not particularly constrained. Um, and you sort of have two branches of that. You'd have uh, I guess maybe good old-fashioned AI where it's uh, symbolic, rule, reasoning-based um, uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, but the the other side is what I term is machine learning, where the machine learns from data, and it changes its behavior based on the data it gets. So that's um, an important distinction. And And so you can see artificial intelligence, and then within that, um, you've got machine learning and then beyond that you have, I guess, machine learning, learning from data. There's lots of different techniques that sit under that. Uh, mm. one of the, the main ones that's driving all the, uh, all the, all, all the discussion at the moment would be neural networks where, uh, there's some very vague relationship between, uh, the, the cells in our brains, um, and, and the technology it's very loose uh but but that's the that's the catch so um then you have i guess deep learning and deep neural networks and and that sort of technology really came to the fore probably around um the 2010s around that sort of era uh and so neural networks been around since i don't know, 1970s uh, um, but there was some, some big shifts in technology and, and data So we could do these really big neural networks. And then um, that leads into, I guess, we're into uh, transformers, which are another type of neural network. um, And then keep going down through there. Then you finally get to what these ones that are the generative. um, So GPT, so chat GPT, we've all heard of chat GPT. I think it was said that it's one of the fastest growing uh technology take-ups that's ever been is um yeah. puts it maybe threads in the last week or so <laughs> uh, but uh so that that uses all this same technology so it's a it's an ai it's machine learning um it is a neural network it's a, a deep neural network um and then what it does basically is uh, to try and I guess demystify it a little bit it's not mm. it's not it doesn't think um, it doesn't know what it's talking about it has no meaning um, but basically you feed in some text and from that text it predicts the next word mm. and then you take that new sentence and you you feed that back through and it predicts the next word so it doesn't have a, a full understanding of what that word is what that word means uh and so it uh um it, that's all it's doing so it makes it, it makes it sound sad but that's it it's yeah. <laughs> all it's that's all it's doing yeah poor bot yeah yeah that's right
2: i am a good ai uh, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's a a good place to pivot to like you know it seems like these are incredible tools and they truly are like to use them is just fascinating it is. but you know especially within the sphere of OSINT, uh or data science are you seeing ways that either it's being misapplied misinterpreted misused what are the limitations of generative ai for OSINT?
0: yeah so um there's definitely good ways to use it uh um and and uh, i think that's what most people are doing there's i think there's several challenges to overcome and i think one is that demystification of of what it is um which we just Mm -hmm. sort of talked about uh but then understanding uh, what these tools have been trained with and then what that uh what that that what the implications of that is so so these are trained with massive amounts of data from the internet from publicly available sources of information Uh, and so they can only predict what they've been trained with. And a lot of the models have only been trained with data up until a certain point in time.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: if you're asking it a question and you want some factual answers, then you need to know that it's only uh, uh, relevant up until the point at which it was trained um, is, is one thing. So, so that's a basic sort of model. I think they're mm-hmm. incorporating search engines into them as well so they can be up to date. Uh, but, um, generally if you're just using a, 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 GPT, um, which stands for generative pre-trained transformer, um, mm. and the chat GPT is the being able to chat with it, mm. um, in there. And, and so, so, yeah, so I think, uh, talking about using it well, um, getting it to help to, to, you know, pass the first draft of trying to write something up probably not a bad idea, but the challenges you have with there is is what they call hallucinations, which is essentially it getting it wrong, where it will come up with, uh, because all it's doing is predicting the next best token statistically, right? So not through meaning, not through fact, but what statistically is the next best word. And so it uh, can get things wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's where uh you need to be careful about the sorts of factual information you're trying to to get it to return so if you were using it to quickly find out information about a person it's it's a good it's a good first start but you'd probably want to go and verify that information
1: you you said it's loaded with information right and i guess if it's and i get that it's for example chat gpt it's based on a, it goes out uh, back to a certain time, or it's not as recent yep. as yesterday. But yeah, but that there's all kinds of information on the internet is what I want to say It could be misinformation. And is it taking information off a of Reddit, or that's it, which yeah. subreddit, etc. So that's, yeah. um, it's got the facts, and it's got other information.
0: Yeah, so it's got the facts, it's got other information, it's got biases um, mm-hmm. within it. If you have a look at the ChatGPT's GPT's um, terms of service that actually they, they actually explicitly state in there that um, a human should be involved in the uh, output. So, someone should review this because it's not always right. Um, and in fact, it's not only just not right; it can be very biased. Uh, it can—I uh, think it said something about that—it uh, will give more positivity towards um, different races um, and negativity towards others, and that's just because it's of its built-in biases. Yeah. Uh, in there the way yeah so the way the thing that made chat gpt or one of the reasons it made it um, a huge improvement over other models uh is that it had a, a human uh, reinforcement learning built into it and so that allowed uh so people to sit here uh, uh review the responses and say it was human-like uh, and that was fed back into the model and so it would produce more human-like responses right and the key is why i'm saying human-like is that it wasn't trained to be truthful it was just uh to be human-like yeah
2: or politically so, correct or yeah, any other yeah, thing right. that you throw out at yeah. the window on the internet yeah
0: that's it so um you know you try to use these things and you try to get them to say say bad things um and if you not very clever about it. They won't say bad <laughs> things, but there are ways to, there's you know, prompt hacking and different things like that out there. Uh, I think a good way that these can be used is uh, on your own data sources. Uh, is um, a, you can use them as a summarization technique, and and you can apply these models uh, and onto your own data, and that will restrict uh, the sources of information that it's drawing from. Uh, and so if you have a, if your data source that you're using is, um, you consider truthful. So if you have a a large investigation with lots of information and you want to summarize it or find some information, some people find it easier to, you know, have a chat with the machine, um, and, and get that, that information out. Um, yeah, but, you know, having, links back to the source information is is very important Mm -hmm. so you can verify it Um, always multiple avenues of of, uh, uh, verifying information is important especially anything dealing with the the internet
2: yeah it seems just an extension of all OSINT, like don't trust one source don't trust one data point like always continue to corroborate and verify as you know with anything
1: you were talking about asking a question, one of the things you were talking about earlier that you work on as a data scientist is is natural language processing, which for someone like me, it's not as technical, let's say, you know, I yeah. find intriguing about chat GPT, but um, mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about what natural language processing is and how that can apply in the ocean world?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I guess there's lots of aspects to natural language processing, uh, but you know, at its core it's it's dealing with um human generated text and and doing something interesting with it uh whether that's translating it to a, another language uh or uh building understanding um within it or just, just pulling it apart um it's a oh, i go on for a long time so it's a really interesting area uh, it's amazing what has happened in the last, um, you know, two, three, ten years. Uh, so I was working in this area in the early 2000s and natural language processing. You'd need to have a, a linguistics background and understand the uh, syntax, um, of, of language and pulling out parts of speech, nouns and verbs and, and how all that hangs together. Uh, and then, we started to see these uh, these new architectures of transformers, uh, increases in compute power, uh, and then uh, just data—huge amounts of data—and uh, that's where these these transformers, which came out of Google, um, uh, have really taken off. Um, and you don't really need to understand the uh, the actual language.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: From these vast amounts of data that we can feed into them, uh, they can uh, start to build, um, I guess, a a semantic understanding of of the text. So we can feed in the text and it goes through um, sequence of operations and at the end you get some numbers. And so the key thing here is that computers are really good at comparing numbers and understanding the difference between numbers uh, and, and those numbers represent uh, a, a semantic understanding of that that text and that allows us to do all sorts of amazing things so um, we can do um, take two different bits of text and see if they have a similar um, uh, similar meaning so you okay. can rather than having to have the exact... Um, uh, text match, you could have, are these two things sort of the same? Uh, you can, then we can do sentiment, um, analysis and emotion analysis as well. So we can tune them into to different directions. So not just a semantic understanding, but a, a, uh, a, you know, emotion, um, you can train them to do named entity recognition. So it can pull out people's uh, names, uh, places, uh, um, locations, places and locations. Um, so I can pull out useful information out of a document. Um, so if you've got, you know, court documents and you can't be bothered sitting there scanning through it, you've got newspaper articles, so you've got large things that you can look through and you want to find who all the key people are? So that's a, it's a named entity recognition task, which, uh, these models can do as well.
2: You were saying that, uh, you know, obviously natural language processing lends itself mm-hmm. to text, but there's also a way to do this for image-based media. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's right. So it's amazing. Once again, similar sort of technology <laughs> uh, that that's been applied to images, and you know, once again, it's all about the amount of data um, that's there. So there's just so many images on the internet now that um, you know this has been these these steps through uh, the technology where. back in the again early 2000s um doing computer vision you were handcrafting features so okay is this line this way does the the edge hit here and you were talking about how that works uh but now it's here's an here's an image let's just pass it through these really uh complex uh neural networks and well we get something out and and uh you can do the same sorts of things with them, so you can do: Are these two images similar? Is this the image I'm looking for? So you can do object recognition, um, as well, uh, you know, logo recognition, which can be quite useful for uh, if you're doing a, an investigation, um, especially with your know, lots of uh, things you can pull down from different social media. Then, ha- rather than having to look through it all, you can fi- have things that detect in the images, uh, what's happening. And it's all, you know, interestingly, nowadays, it's it's underlying technologies is is very similar um, in in a lot of respects. Mm. Uh, So what that leads to is you can actually do sort of a multimodal approach as well, where you can have text and images all being worked together. So you could say, uh, you know, find me all the images of pipe bombs or and you can do that mm-hmm. in text. Um, Will find all things about pipe bombs, and it'll find your images. It'll find your people talking about them, um, because there's sort of this intersection of technology mm-hmm. coming together.
2: Very
1: interesting. Yeah, and then we talk a lot on this podcast for OSINT analysts. That's it's, it's the amount of data, the publicly available yeah, information sure. that's out there. And so that if if AI can help us sift through that and identify.
2: And more data scientists.
1: And more data scientists. (laughs) Data data scientists. (laughs) Yeah. Be it the analysts themselves or the tools the analysts use, right? right? That's right. Yeah. So we were just uh,
0: working on an investigation that has, I don't know, know, a couple of million, um, I guess, actors in it um, from some publicly available sources. um, And just to sit and sift through that would be uh fairly painstaking i mean I, I never never do anything with my own eyes i always think how can i get a computer to do this
2: <laughs> the heavy lifting uh, yeah
0: but yeah so we so at, at Fivecast we have um an eclectic team we have um uh, software engineers building the product um, we have a, a very small number of data scientists uh trying to Help with the data uh, but we also have um trade craft people on on staff who are uh, from uh, uh from from industry from working um as analysts uh and you know the same data set that, that i was working on uh an analyst has sat down and, and gone through and, and pulled out the interesting parts of it and, and used some of our tools to Um, help filter it Uh, so by using those text analysis tools to be able to uh, filter the data based on simple keywords but also on um, finding meaning within there um, as well as as image um, sort of uh, recognition so being able to pull out the bits so you don't have to look at all million of them you can have some sort (laughs) of filtered list of them Uh, and so she uh, could do something of interest with all that data um, by filtering it down. Uh, But we still didn't use all the uh, super interesting stuff. So, so we're having another look at it. And hopefully Mm -hmm. we can uh, pull out some more information by being able to view that large amount of data. So, you know, as an individual, it's very difficult to look through. But if we can harness sort of data science and machine learning to, to do that pre filtering, um and grouping and clustering uh to put it all d-
1: right yeah a nice visualization to work through so yeah well since you mentioned your team i know um the data science team at Fivecast created a, a really interesting white paper on the ethical use of ai and osint um can you touch on that a little bit as far as how can researchers you know use this tech you know use ai Um, ethically and, you know, what should you keep in mind whenever you're using it as an
0: analyst? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I guess it's become a fairly uh, hot topic as well, along with things like chat GPT. So uh, I guess talking about chat GPT and these large language models that uh, use um, reinforcement learning with human feedback, uh, there's some ethical considerations around just even the the creation of these models um, and what it really takes to make them. Um, the the models themselves, you can't really build these at this scale um, as a small, it was an individual or as a small company, you really need someone with, with, with millions and millions of dollars to do it. Uh, and the resources and the compute power which translates into using lots of energy. Um, So I guess even at the first before you even uh, start using it, one needs to ask themselves whether should I be using this Um, and encouraging people to make these and uh, you know, one of those key parts that reinforcement learning with human feedback means that humans had to sit there and look at all the things that were generated um, so that we didn't have to. Uh, So Yeah, we talked about the sources it pulls from: pulls from Reddit, pulls from all sorts of places. Mm -hmm. They're filled with all sorts of things. So um, there was a real concern around what people had to go through just to create these um, these models. Um, It's fairly well documented um, out there. Moving past that, so we're now using these models. Uh, Once again, I think it comes back to those biases uh, Mm -hmm. and um, trusting the data um, or trusting the responses that come out of these Uh, i think there was some uh, publicity around someone suing um, one of the the, these companies because it was uh, if you typed in their name or asked some questions about them it said they um, were part of some embezzlement or something and that just never happened Uh, so there's uh, there's that sort of issue so it's not just so if you're doing a collection on someone a great way maybe to get started would be to get one of these 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 uh gpts to generate a summary for you uh but uh right they're 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 prone to hallucinations um the nice way to say they just get it wrong that Mm -hmm. uh uh, you need to i guess you need to double check those sources through there. Uh, And I think that's key, is just uh, being able to... So we talk about in AI, um, explainability and transparency in models. Uh, So a lot of these models are are very complex, uh, and it's very difficult to understand why they made a decision or why they gave you the information. Uh, So neural networks are a a good example of that, in that it's essentially they're a, a sequence of matrix multiplications. Um, so it's just numbers turning into more numbers, into more numbers. And the more times you do that, it's harder to understand why it made a decision. Why did it, why did it decide to put this person, um, and and classify them into this group? Uh, it's hard to know. So so there's a lot of effort around, uh, trying to open up the black box and see inside. Mm -hmm. And so, so if you are using uh, any particular machine learning model, whether it's a, a GPT or a neural network, some sort of classifier, um, what a lot of people are pushing are, are what are things called model cards, which explain to you what it was trained on, so you can sort of try to understand the biases in there. I mean, was this data trained on um, twenty to twenty-four year old university students? Because uh, that's what most models are, uh, are trained on, um, and and who are those people? Maybe they're predominantly male, so it might perform worse on underrepresented populations. Uh, so, so uh, so yeah. Being understand what it was trained on, and then what are the limitations that. Uh, the use cases it should be used in. So sometimes it's easy to use these out of context, uh, which which can make them underperform as well. And so it's about understanding yeah, those biases and those training. And hopefully there is um, what we, I guess, strive to do at FiveCast is uh, build tools that allow you to understand why decisions were made um, in that um, classification. So we try not to put in too many... Uh, whiz bang things that really take you away from the data but being able to come back so so if we, we're using these text similarity um sort of which uh which convert text into a bunch of numbers and do mm-hmm. similar similarity to it we'll say well it's we decide it's part of this we classified this as being um of interest because it was close to these other bits of text. So you can sort of read and, and go back and forth between them. Uh, so, so that's a, that's a key thing to look for in your, um, tools that you're using. Can it explain to me what's happening uh, in there? Yeah. And getting, getting the, the reasoning and the, the paper trail,
2: um, of why things are happening. I think that's all great advice on ethics. general yeah. distrust of what it spits out or yeah. need to verify a grub rate. That's right. I'm wondering, so, you know, is, is there anything else, you know, for a researcher that, you know, you can recommend for how to use AI, um, as best practice or resources they can, that they can use for, you know, getting trained up on how best to leverage this.
0: There's a great, um, there's a great, uh, blog post, um, and article written on five that you can oh. find. Yeah, that's all right. Um, uh, there, there's lots of information out there um, and it is it's you can find uh, yeah, specifically recommending uh, uh, the, if you're really keen and interested there are a lot of the, the big universities um, have free online courses to, to brush up on these skills and mm. a lot of them are, um through something like coursera uh, or an online platform where you can um, dip your toes in and find out about how these you know taking the covers off and seeing how they work um so Mm -hmm. doing some sort of introductory course i think it i think everybody um should have some sort of understanding of how these technologies work uh you know if we can start teaching kids in school how to how to build these things then they'll have a better understanding of the tools when they come out and understand those biases that exist um you know it goes i think it goes alongside with you know media media literacy um understanding being able to do your source checks and things like that same thing goes with um machine learning um when you're using data to train things you know so it's not checking your sources but checking the data sources um that have been used to train these models uh so now you can enroll in a course, or there there would be lots of good videos and technologies out there. Um, uh, yeah, it's hard to. I mean, to pick we can one. also yeah. just
2: we can also just ask ChatGPT. How can we learn about chat you? To- <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we it's a trick question.
0: You that's could, awesome. yeah. Maybe you could pitch pitch them against each other. You could ask. You could ask the the Bing chat to tell me about ChatGPT. Yeah. GPT
1: that's uh oh, goodness <laughs> gracious going to start
0: a war you, just, um, you, you set me up for that, I saw that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well trent is there um you know before uh, we wrap up uh mm-hmm. is there anything else you want to add uh to the to our conversation today
0: um i think there's a i think i think when so Fivecast uh our our thing is providing a tool across uh across that, that uh, open-source, social, um, you know, publicly-available information. And, and as we sort of touched on, that just generates huge volumes of data, which uh, maybe from an, a traditional analyst position, if you're using different sorts of OSINT or different sorts of intelligence, um, it's just not as... Uh, it's a different, different, different magnitude of scale. Um, and using these, these tools, these machine learning tools, um, and just data science in general. So you, know, you don't have to go all the way through to machine learning, but uh, using uh, summarization, um, descriptive statistics, getting feels for, for the data um, is, is really important um, to try and understand that. Uh, and I guess, don't be afraid to learn something about them Mm -hmm. Um, they they sound uh, the media will beat them up and make them sound like they're super intelligent beings that are going to take over the world but we're i think we're far from that uh given they don't have real true meaning um i think we should be more worried about uh bad actors using these tools um against us and i guess that will be a challenge um for for uh people trying to do anything on the internet is is using these tools, um, I guess, in nefarious ways to easily generate variations in text and and flood people's inboxes and walls with uh, misinformation um, around there. And I think it's even trickier when you, we talked about imagery. So we have these mm-hmm. image generation tools as well, and and we can do that with video. And we can do that with um uh, voice as well uh, so you can generate a very excellent misinformation campaign in text images and video and audio um, that can be very convincing mm-hmm. uh, so it's a it's a tricky time um and i guess mm-hmm. that's what a an analyst needs to be aware of when they're trying to piece together something is is uh yeah, that that there are these tools out there now um, I think I read something about, um, there's, there's C-A-A-S, which is, um, crime as a service. So, <laughs> uh, people, cause these tools are, you can set them up and so yeah, you know, cool. Um, uh, could you please generate me a misinformation campaign? We've all seen that before, but it's much, much more simple now. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, you don't need a, a full bot farm of or a bunch of humans to generate all this. It's, uh. But yeah so it's an interesting time right um i think mm-hmm. i think we can can use both for good and evil uh we'll be doing the good of course uh <laughs> and generating i'm um, being able to detect uh, uh and sift through this large uh data sets that we get yeah. um so through through data science so have a friendly data scientist at your side
2: there you go um, a friendly yeah. one
0: yes yeah. maybe yeah, you could yeah, uh Maybe you could generate uh, this podcast, right? That's right. Well, I think we've got enough audio, got enough video, so. Off we go.
1: Well, um, I want to say thank you to our guest, Dr. Trent Lewis, for joining us today. I think uh, we'll have many more conversations uh, in the future about... OI, uh, or AI's role in OSINT. Uh, if you liked what you heard, you can view transcripts and other episode info on our website, authenticate.com slash needlestack. That's authentic with the number eight dot com slash needlestack. And be sure to let us know your thoughts on Twitter at Needlestack Pod and to like and subscribe wherever you're listening today. We'll be back next week with more on how analysts can use these emerging technologies in their day to day jobs. We'll see you then.